Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the co-founder of Divizio, the all-new affiliate network for all niches at DivizioDuviSio.com. I'm hoping we have a great show lined up for you guys today. We have my co-host, Jack Humphrey, my co-founder in Divizio and the Associate Dean of Directions University joining us. And Jack, I'm hoping we have a fantastic guest. He thought he missed the show when he contacted us yesterday and was relieved to find out it was today. Have you heard from him? Uh, He said he'd be here bright and shiny. Don, are you here? Oh, maybe this is him. Let's see. This could be is it. This, this could be is it. Is this Don? Or is this Jan? It's me. <laughs> Uh-oh. You're going to have to disguise your voice and sound like Don. Exactly. Well, he is planning <laughs> to come. Um, because All right. Well, maybe we yet- can do yeah, cause he do wrote a couple of announcements. Saying sorry, I missed it. Yeah, he too. says he's trying to dial in now. He should be here momentarily. I panic when people do that. When they get the wrong day, I just take their word for it and go, "Oh my God, I missed something too." Yeah, because exactly. I wasn't there, of course. It was I Monday. It was too. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I missed it," and then I was like, "Oh, it's the wrong day." Uh, I'm watching for him, guys. Jack, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about who we're talking about? Because we've been waiting for this guest for months now. Yeah. Yes. And he was so anxious. He was 24 hours early, so I'm sure he's he's great, to, uh, good to go too today. We're talking about Don Scott Schnur, a digital marketing professional, software designer, and video producer since 1997. It's been around a while. He's built and sold software in dozens of markets, including SEO, media publishing, email marketing, internet safety, and monitoring for kids, and of course, online e-commerce solutions. As the owner of OneAutomationWiz.com, the original all-in-one e-commerce solution, Don helps new and existing business owners simplify the complex task of both selling and marketing their products online. Did I talk long enough to get Don on? Are you here? That was awesome. Hey, you heard me. Hey, and you're here. You're here on the right day. We're all here on the right day. It's perfect. I appreciate it. So glad <laughs> you could join us, Don. I I apologize about the uh, the mix-up there. I couldn't get back into the uh, the line for some reason, but I'm here now, so let's do this. That's well, all we have there. a lot of security around this show. Crazy people try to call in all the time, so we... We make it pretty hard to get in. Only, only. Am I on the, the uh, Am I on the screening list? Yeah, yeah. Am we had to. We had to screen. We took you <laughs> off the list just five minutes early, so to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we like to start every show out with uh, what you're excited about right now. What got you out of bed all excited? Because uh, you've got an awful lot of stuff in your introduction. You could be interested in. Tell us what you're really working on right now, and uh, you're most interested in. 
Honestly, Jack, what I'm really interested in right now is, uh, is two different things. Um, one is the concept of personal development as it relates to mindset and uh, the changes in e-commerce right now. Um, I could I could go all day about Google, but that would just be a complaint fest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's Google has made it complicated enough that I don't even pay attention to it anymore. If somebody asked me about SEO uh, and expected answers like I used to give because I was able to give them, um, right. and you can't anymore, and no self-respecting um, SEO would ever uh, carry on as if they knew what the hell was going on <laughs> out there in the and, world. And yet many people still do. I know, I know, and that's why I said self-respecting, so now you know. If they act like they know what's going on, I really don't think that there's people in Google that know what's going on with search. Not all They don't work in the same room. They keep it all separate. I just read right. an article today uh, that talked about 15% of Google searches are now supplied by and vetted by artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And it was an exclusive article, so there's no more information on it other than really sketchy, um, very, very, very complicated and geeky stuff uh, about AI and how it's it's putting massive amounts of data together to come up with um, search results for complicated searches that are better results, supposedly. That's the goal of it. And I mean, it's just another effort in my mind to make it all so confusing that we just don't care anymore. We can't possibly really truly optimize directly for for search. We have to just do our best with our customers and our content and everything else and just support and bring good stuff to the web and hope like heck Google knows what it's doing uh, when it comes to ranking uh, sites. because. I don't know what else we could possibly do. Is that the complain fest you were you were hoping uh, for? Yeah, you know, it's funny, Jack, because uh, as you know, I've been doing SEO for a very long time. And if you go mm-hmm. back to, you know, 2006, that was a much different animal. And several oh, years yeah, ago, it was so uh, easy and clean, wasn't it? If you yeah. If you remember, uh not too long ago, two three years ago, uh Google handed out the big AdWords slap. Slap. And you and I both know guys that were spending, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a day, and Google just turned them off like they were nothing. And mm-hmm. that's that's when it became apparent to me. I sort of had a feeling what was going on, and then it became apparent. Ten years ago, internet marketing or marketing online, we had the advantage because we were small entrepreneurs, small companies. We were able to change and make um, adjustments very quickly. And the larger companies had no clue. And it was always said, well, I always said it anyway, that one day when the big companies figure it out, we're all screwed. And that's happened. In those 10 years, kids that have grown up online, you know, the 7, 8, or 10-year-olds have grown up, and now they work for the big companies, and they get online. They get social media. And so the big companies have able, been able to tap those talent pools with humongous dollars. I mean, Walmart spent, I had read uh, their ad budget was over the last three years $100 million on Google AdWords. It is one of those things where I think a decision was made at some point. Look, we can have 2,000 advertisers that are going to spend several million dollars with us or we can have 
300,000 users, they're going to spend $10 a day with us. And economically, if you can get less customers that are paying you more money and you can get them to continue to pay more money, uh, it's easier to manage. So I, I agree with you. I think that mm. Google just doesn't it's – it's not that they don't care anymore and they have to care uh, because they have to be relevant, but the fact is that their relevancy is really dependent upon shareholder value, uh, not necessarily what's the best search result. Uh, I can give you dozens of examples right now of sites that rank number one, and you look at the sites and you're like, really? That's not my best interest. Yeah. You know, that doesn't yeah, yeah. So, Well, I think the Google interest, I think there's a graph here that they're diametrically opposed uh, to each other. The Google's interest in in the individual's website ranking goals has gone down in direct proportion to how much information people are getting from other locations like social, uh, which is unfortunate really. I, I really caution people, don't get your news or all of your information or don't rely on social for everything. Do go out and use Google once in a while. I mean, and I'm not saying this as a fanboy because I don't really consider myself exactly a fanboy of Google anymore. Sorry, Google. I get it. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, it's just that the balance isn't there. And, and I think that Google started not caring when they started seeing social take away so, so much of their traffic and so much of the inquiry <laughs> that people used to have. It's like, hey, go Google it. And people kind of still say that now, but I'd say in my own empirical daily activity, I see people, it's not daily, it's weekly that I might hear somebody say I Googled something. Back in 2006, what you were talking about, that was like a daily thing. We would make fun of people asking us questions by sending them to, um, I can't remember what that site is, letmegoogletatforyou.com. Right. LMT, you know, whatever that is. And then all that did was make fun of you asking me a question you should have put into Google. I mean, we were a real Google society at one time. And uh, and it was just pervasive. It was in popular culture a lot more and everything else. And it really has fallen by the wayside. I mean, if you just took the number of mentions of Google in in the sense of search and how we rely on that on for our information – Today, juxtaposed with 2009 or 10 or 11 or 12 even, uh, you would see a marked decline in well, me, the, the relevance of Google as a place to discover information. Let me, let me throw the flip side to that out, okay? Because I agree with you up to a point. I think that mm -hmm. Google has become so mainstream that it is embedded in the fabric of our daily existence. And as such... We don't talk about it. People, I mean, my daughter uses Google every day for school. You know, people that I work mm -hmm. with will use Google. If I want to find out how to do something that I don't know how to do, I'm not going to Facebook to do it. Mm. So, you True. know, I think it, it's one of those things where it just sort of ingratiated itself or insinuated itself, I should say, into the sort of the fabric of our lives. Facebook's a lot flashier. You know, Facebook, I think, yeah. is... Uh, and the uptake in social media is that it is empowering. I think that is the um, the appeal to, to social media, is that it took the power away from Google as an authority and gave it to you as a person uh, and your tribe or your following or whatever. And the, the problem is, going back to what you just said, if you look at, don't get your news from social media. I agree 100%. If you look at the trending stories section of Facebook, I look at that and I'm like, none of this is news. 
I don't yeah. care that Sarah Abraham got a new nose job, and it's a top trending <laughs> story, right? So yeah. Well, the only thing I get from Facebook news-wise is the Onion, and, and quite often with news nowadays, I don't want to be—I don't want to sound like a news snob or a wonk or anything, because I can't tell one story from another. They all look like Onion news articles to me. Uh, yes. If anybody wants to read some funny news, theonion.com. Um, not safe for work for all instances, by the way. But I mean, a lot of re- mainstream articles—you have to look twice to see that it was in the Wall Street Journal and not in the Onion. So even news has gone weird. And wonky and, and, and weird, but it's so satirical uh, sometimes too. Yeah, it's so satirical sometimes. You don't know if they're being serious or not. A lot of times, I just put my "this is not serious" uh, filter on whenever I see the onion. <laughs> Some of them, you know, good satire is really, really, really close to the truth, and it's sad sometimes how little they have to try to uh, satirize our real-world life. Absolutely. Because <laughs> it really Absolutely. should be harder for them than it is, and it really isn't. Sometimes they could take direct quotes from politicians and things and turn it into an Onion article without very little embellishment, if at all. And <laughs> that's kind of sad commentary on our thing, which is a lot of the stuff that shows up in social and things like that. So I start talking to people, clients, things like that, when and they just have a really weird view on something, or they had they I heard this, or I heard that about marketing, about whatever, and I'm like, wow, where in the world did you get that information? Oh, somebody sent it to me on social, or you know, <laughs> the, the, the good the problem thing about Google is right it, it vets certain things. You know, it, right, there is some the vetting in that algorithm. Social media turned everybody into an expert. Yeah, and now nobody's because an expert. Yes, exactly, because your opinion just became, uh, you know, going from being my opinion to being an authority uh, because uh-huh. somebody retweeted me. Well, hey, I got validation. I must know my stuff. And uh, yeah. you see a lot of stuff getting passed around that, that like you said, is kind of makes you scratch your head and go, where did that come from? Yeah. Well, I think you probably would agree with the fact that everything is like a pendulum Every single thing. It's like a wave. There's a, Somebody's on top right now. Facebook's on top. That kind of stuff. Things always tend to get overdone and reset themselves. And I'm sensing there's something coming up here that, you know, social in general, Facebook specifically, is really, really overhyped and overbaked, and people are starting to get a little tired of it. So what I think might happen out of that, and this is my theory, you can – you can say how you feel about this, but I think uh, people are going to go back to wanting a lot more genuine interaction with actual human beings. And you can't really equate, and what they're finding in my estimation, is you can't equate any kind of interaction you have on social media except with your friends and family members who you know when they say something, you know what they mean because you know them really well. They're just not finding that to be real meaningful interaction. I think people are just dosed up on all – it's like a sugar high, empty calories. And it always has been. This is nothing new. But I think that we're starting to see that pendulum slow down on its top angle, and it's starting to swing back. I've seen a couple of people in my family and uh, and and peers say that they're quitting Facebook, and I've watched them drop out because I watch with my little app that tells me when people uh, leave Facebook. <laughs> They I know, and they're they're just dropping out completely, cutting that umbilical cord. And if people are looking for that, 
kind of interaction again. They're, they might be headed back toward websites. They might actually be headed back toward reading articles that are longer than 140 characters and engaging again. What do you think about that? I agree. You said a lot of things. So uh, I know. What do you think pendulum, about all of those things? <laughs> all of those things are <laughs> As far as the pendulum comment, uh, you know, I, I I agree with you 100%. And the older I get, the more I realize that's not just in my business. That's in everything, whether it be, you know, social morals, politics, policies, people's opinions. It, it's absolutely true. And it's certainly true with Facebook and other social media. I think the problem with with social media, the, the, and Facebook in particular, is that it gave people a voice that didn't have a voice, and it allowed them to be popular, even if they weren't in real life, or it gave them the ability to rub shoulders with the popular and be one of the cool kids. The problem is that, as you said, over time, that kind of interaction is not satisfying. So I'm getting a, a real quick oxytocin hit in my brain because I tweeted something, and three minutes later I checked my status to see if somebody gave me a like. Because that's self-validation, right? But after mm-hmm. a while, that becomes sort of meaningless, and people are gravitating away from that. Unfortunately, the flip side to that, Jack, is that I think there's a lot of people that are addicted to that oxytocin hit that you get from social media, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that reward type of thing. And I know guys uh, in our industry, uh, in Internet marketing, who oh, yeah. will literally, they literally will waste hours a day just reading other people's posts and commenting because it gives them a feeling of personal validation to be involved. The fact is there is some great content on Facebook. There's some really, really smart people, and they're really sharing a lot of stuff. But it's so easy to go down a rabbit hole. You oh, yeah. look for something, and all of a sudden it's three hours later, and you're like, okay, what's my actionable plan? I don't have it. And so <laughs> Every, Everybody listening right now is nodding in agreement, I'm sure. Everybody's been down that rabbit hole at least once. You have to enjoy oh, that at least once in your life. it's hard not to be. I mean, it happens to me, too. I'll, you know. I'll, I'll, for a great example, I saw a tweet that you, or a, a Facebook post that you did, I don't know, a month or so ago, and I was pretty interesting. It ended up on your uh, website, and two hours later, I'd read a bunch of articles, and I'm like, okay, I've got some great information. Oh wait, I'm supposed to be working today. It happens. Um, yeah. Hey, don't blame but, that on me, man. Somebody, somebody no. slipped me that that information before you. It was used information when I found it. <laughs> I got it. Got it. No, I just, I, I think that, uh, I think you're spot on. Um, I think social media is sort of going to Facebook. Let's just call it Facebook because what other social media is there that really counts? Instagram? No. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, that Facebook is the is the big 800-pound gorilla. The problem that they're going to have is that people have short attention spans. And you know, everybody remembers MySpace. I mean, things happen very quickly. And what will happen is it's just going to take another social platform that does what you've said, that doesn't let you connect with, you know, everybody and their brother, just your friends. Facebook will always have a place. I think it's not done growing. But when four out of five people on the planet have a Facebook account, that's where else are you going to go from there? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, you're, you see some really, really, really mega desperate attempts at where you're going to go. They're trying to fly blimps over countries that don't have Internet access just to have mm-hmm. Wi-Fi piped in from the sky. A lot of people who are really drinking the Kool-Aid are writing articles about that saying, how amazing, how great, how awesome, and all I see is pure unadulterated desperation on the part of Google and Facebook. When they start flying drones around the planet trying to pick up the rest of the people who are not connected the way that we are in the States, uh, man, you know that it's it's at the end. There's something mm-hmm. is, you know, when they hit that critical mass, where are they going to go from there? Exactly. Because they have the same ideology as a cancer cell. It's growth for growth's sake, and they have to grow beyond that. And what are they going to do? They are running out of planet, and they're running out of people. And again, it's you know they they would have a whole other phase like they've had for the last ten years with all the new people they add because they haven't had their empty calories yet. They haven't binged and they haven't gone over this stuff. And everybody here is going to be like, dude, you don't want to go down that. But they won't listen, right? They won't listen because this is new to them. They get to you know, have somebody like their tweet. They get to have somebody pass their stuff around and go viral. They haven't done any of that yet. And that's right. really millions and millions and millions of people. So there's still a party to be had. But it's basically saying that Facebook and Google are kind of done with us. We, When you said earlier that we don't talk about them because they're so ubiquitous, it's true. It's like a fish talking to another fish about water. It's mm-hmm. Not something that fish think about. <laughs> it well, is, you is know, you know. It's like air to us. We don't talk about made, it. We just breathe it. You made a great point about there are some users that it's still new to, right? And uh, just remember the first time you know you used AOL and you heard that you've got mail. I mean that was exciting, mm-hmm. right? And so people that are coming on now um, onto Facebook demographically tend to new users on Facebook tend to be over sixty. Um, because the kids have already adopted it, right? Yeah, and, and the, the kids are reading Like they're not, they're oh, not the readopting it. kids are leaving it because their parents are using it, right? Right, um, it's not cool anymore. It's not cool anymore. And the fact is that when when you're Mark Zuckerberg, um, you know, what I think his feeling has always been, I need to overtake Google in popularity. Well, he did that, right? The problem for him now is how do I keep these users? Because the fact is, it's their, like you said, their growth is not sustainable in the way it is. I think it's a, their growth is all advertising based, their revenues, and I think they are very quickly uh, have adopted. This is not new. This they've something they've done it already. It's very quickly adopted the Google mindset of you know as an advertiser, unless you're spending X hundred thousand dollars a day, you don't really count. We don't care about you. You're more of a pain than anything else. Right. So. You know, the the hot thing right now, I think you, you, I think it's going to burn out faster. Is and there's guys that disagree with me on this. Is native advertising? Um, I, we have yeah. been conditioned over the last ten years, in particular, to read smaller, you know, we'll call it microblogging, but you know, Twitter. Nobody's Twitter's in trouble. Uh, Facebook posts aren't getting engagement if they're over a certain number of characters. So we've sort of, as a populace, been trained to get our information in smaller and smaller bites, thereby reducing our attention span. And we have so much information coming at us at once that we have to parse in our head what we're going to pay attention to. So when you have sites like Facebook um, changing the rules constantly and stuff, it just it becomes too much of a pain to deal with. 
I think we're going to see a leveling off of Facebook eventually, but I don't think it's going to go back to websites the way it's going now. You know, native advertising, uh, basically you're sticking an ad in the middle of a story or you've got a referral, hey, at the bottom of your article, there's a, a carousel of, of different news stories that you can go to, and those are all paid stories or intermixed paid. Native advertising works really, really well right now. But in the same way that AdSense crashed and burned, I think native advertising is going to crash and burn because many of the websites that people are going to are just so loaded with ads that as you try to read the article, the page keeps moving because new ads are loading in the background. And changes oh, my God, that's one of the most biggest frustrations. You just bounce out. Yeah. That might be a really cool article, but if, if you keep messing with it while I'm trying to read it, I'm done. Yep. So. Oh, yeah, I've been, off, I've been off of those things so fast, and I know what they're doing. I mean, we used to do it with Ad, AdSense. And, you know, remember uh, uh, Content Desk Days, and, and mm-hmm. we were uh, just before that AdSense sites. We just called them AdSense sites. They were totally devoid of content that was useful, and they were loaded down with ads. But these were nice little ads that didn't just pop up in your face and slow down your browser or anything. They just stayed in the sidebar or whatever. And we made a whole bunch of money tricking people into thinking that they had something on the other end. And really what we wanted was to not have a good article so that they would run away like their hair was on fire, preferably through one of our paid links so we'd make money. <laughs> I can't believe and you these just guys said that. <laughs> oh, just God. admitted it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's exactly what we did. I mean, yeah, that was the whole thing. I know. And and everybody thinks this native advertising thing is new. What's new is that they're trying to cram a lot more bandwidth down your throat when you're when you're being ripped off. So, right. like, they're not well, even being nice about it. I could say that we, back in the day, because of our lack of technology, not because we were so altruistic, because if we had the technology, we would have used it. But <laughs> we were at least being nice enough to keep our ads out of their faces long enough to, for them to find out make their own choice that they were in the wrong place, and then leave through one of our links. <laughs> well, That's all they're doing now. That's what native advertising is today. I have a friend who has a network of sites that run native ads, and he does extremely well. Um, not going to say who it is, but they have you know, a couple hundred thousand visitors a day through his network. And it's the exact model that we're talking about. And it's funny because he hires very good content writers and pays a lot of money when you look at time on site, very often a lot of his sites, you know, you, you read two or three paragraphs and then you have to go to the next page to read the next two or three paragraphs and so on and so forth. Oh, God, his, I hate those His sites. bounce rate, <laughs> if people make it a quarter of the page of the article, they read maybe a quarter to a third of the page, and then they're gone. He doesn't care mm-hmm. because he's making so much money from the native advertisers. So the whole yeah. concept of hey, it's, it, provides it's great like robots for talking to robots, isn't it? Mm-hmm. After a while, it's like uh, what was what was the just say just say maybe or something like that that when they started the semester and somebody put their boombox in the uh, in front of the professor and never showed up to class again and by the end of the semester it was all boomboxes right. and then uh, which was hilarious and then they showed the professor's thing and he had put his boombox up on the podium recording with his recording of his uh of his talk that day and it was all mm-hmm. boomboxes talking to each other that's what right. we're in now is when everything hits critical mass 
it gets to that point all the time. We've watched this cycle through like three or four times since we've been on the net and doing stuff, right? Really big Absolutely. bubbles, giant bubbles, like the real estate bubble, only it's a tech content advertising bubble. And we get to the point where Google has, has loaded up on uh, uh, ways to combat things so heavy, and then everybody else is loaded up on their ways of tricking Google so heavy, and then they throw in the ads, and then they throw in the content. Google wants good content. All right, let's spend a whole bunch of money on content nobody's going to read, but it'll be good. Therefore, right. we'll get through the algorithm, that robot, and then my robots will reattack by putting a whole bunch of ads in front of everybody, and then everybody just gets caught up in like minced meat machine. You know, you just get processed people attention spans through this meat grinder of robots fighting with each other <laughs> and and what? somebody makes money out of that it never lasts that is that is the end of a cycle we're viewing right now everybody take great care or great heart in knowing that your buddy's site and lots of other sites like it are about to die <laughs> it's the last well, gasp of a dying thing because everybody's got know, a boom box exactly and it, great point case in point um, April 2012, the original Penguin update came out for Google. Prior to that point, Jack, you know, I did SEO. We, for OneAutomationWiz.com, we were doing lots of everything that Google said was approved. Mm -hmm. Some of it may have been on the boundary, but nothing, nothing black hat. And then one day, Google said, you know what, all that stuff that we said was okay, we don't like that anymore. And we got hammered with the penalty for 18 months. I mean, yep. I could not get ranked no matter what I did. Um, we're not the only one that happened to. But that sort of mentality, oh, right. you know, I think that's the – circling back to Facebook, I think that's the real appeal to Facebook for content creators is because, look, I'm going to build – instead of worrying about Google and trying to get traffic that way, I'm going to have a Facebook group, maybe a private group, and get a lot of people to join that group and we'll all share information, and I'll moderate, and I'll look like the rock star, and then I can make offers to my group. I, we both know guys that do that and do it very well. The fundamental problem with it is is you're building your empire on somebody else's network. Somebody else's, same with Google. If you're relying yeah. on Google, you know, you're your host. So that's one of the things I like about your model is that you don't. You build the, the following for Jack, not on a platform for Jack. So, yeah, meet me but, over here because it, because the place we're on right now might be gone next week. So meet me over here. Meet, meet, always have the ability to tell your crowd to meet you somewhere else, and have a backup you know, plan for everything so that you don't panic and go, oh crap, Blab just totally crashed and went away, and I just put a huge amount of people and resources into that, and I have no way to get them out. So everything I've done is gone. You don't ever want to find yourself in that position. You, you when you ask me what I'm really into right now is, like he says, is sort of in the personal development arena of mindset. And mm -hmm. I've been marketing online since 1997. And I've seen all the changes. And there was a, pit, a pitfall that I fell into. And I had an epiphany about six, seven, eight months ago that just sort of changed my perspective on things. Because I talked to so many clients that fall victim to what we did and fall victim to what you were just talking about is that something changes and then you're like, you're having that, oh my goodness moment, what am I going to do now? 
I just put all this work in, now I have to start over, or I have to, uh, you know, figure out how to move all these people from one email provider to another email, all of that. And it causes a lot of fear and anxiety, and it's paralyzing to people. And the reality is, you know, for a long time, I mean, I was intellectually aware. You know, things change. And, but that can be paralyzing for a lot of people. The idea that things change. I worked really hard to get here, and now you're going to change the rules? Oh, my goodness. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just up a creek. And yeah. about it's six, over. eight months ago, yeah, it's over. And, 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 you know, there are guys that don't just lose their businesses. They lose their business, and then they're paralyzed, and they can't move forward with something else because they're stuck in the past of the way it was. They're stuck in the complacency of, okay, I've got it working. The machine is working. Oh, no, what just happened, right? So about six, eight months ago, I was having lunch with a friend of mine, and a gentleman named Richard Geller, super smart guy. And Richard said to me, he said, you know, Don, particularly in internet marketing, a lot of it I like to think of as a Hollywood movie-type situation, in that most Mm -hmm. of the time... Most people in Hollywood are out of work. And then they, several of them will come together to make something. And then when it's done, they disband and they kind of float for a little bit. And then they come together, maybe different people will come together and make something new. And it's a constant, not reinvention. He said, that's where you get stuck. But if you think, oh, I've got to reinvent myself, well, you know what? As entrepreneurs, we can do that three, four, five times but it gets old. He said, don't think of it as reinvention. Think of it of it more as a creative process that you create, you do it, let it do its thing, and then you, you're done. And then you move on because you have an expectation that it's going to be completed. You don't get stuck in that mindset. So, yeah. you know, I looked at my business as a shopping cart and e-commerce provider, you know, in the last 15 years, we've had a tremendous number of competitors come into market. And it means we have to try harder. But it's not just us. You know, you have lead pages. It's a great system for making lead uh, name capture pages and squeeze pages and things like that. But then they had new competitors come in. You know, Russell Brunson came in with ClickFunnels. And wow, a lot of people like that. People like Optimize Press. And the reality is, is that if... A great example, Kajabi was a, the membership site thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, where did they go? Well, they're working on their new version that's coming out. But in the meantime, they're losing ground. And so it's just one of those things where if you don't think about losing everything, you realize, as you said, that it could change, and it probably will change. And if that's in your head to begin with, you don't get freaked out when it does. You just take action, and you're not paralyzed. And I think that is so important for people to get because things are going to change. And rather than fearing them changing, embrace that change. Because if you embrace it, then a lot of times you can get ahead of it and be in the leading edge of the next thing. Yeah, change is the only constant. That's really extremely good advice. It's such a cliche, Mm -hmm. isn't it? But it's so true. Mm -hmm. And you know, change is the only constant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Well, okay. Your revenues just went from twenty grand a month to five. What do you do now? Oh no, I'm going to panic. Well, 
it didn't yeah. happen overnight. You saw it coming. Did you pay attention? Did you realize or did you accept the fact that, yeah, this is an inevitability? You know, I, drive, I live in St. Louis, and it's a medium-sized market, and we have businesses. I drive down the street, and I see stores. One day they're there, and the next day they're not. And you have to ask yourself, well, how long were they struggling? What was their plan? And it, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It's not just Internet marketing. It's every industry, every business. And I think the days of, you know, I'm going to build this company. It's going to last forever. Is those are, those are long gone. And I don't think that that's a healthy attitude anymore. You know, you they're long gone chaos. except in the minds of, of the humans who remember these things. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, and we'll even watch movies. We'll watch admin and stuff on TV, and we'll, we'll get nostalgic, and we'll forget that that was a bygone era. It's never coming back. And we'll right. go, wow, I'm going to get a gold watch, the equivalent of whatever that is in an entrepreneurial Internet setting. I'm going to get my gold watch, which we never really totally bought into that, but the relics of what you're talking about really do, I think, ring true still to this day for a lot of people. I put so much effort into that. You have to get over that. You know, I mean, everybody's putting a lot of effort out there, and we just keep growing and regrowing things, and one of the reasons I like to have these kinds of discussions here is to get people thinking about or rethinking about where the next thing's going to happen so you can be there when the wave hits, and knowing that the next thing could be actually very disruptive to how you're doing business now and being okay with that and still having the, um, the mental wherewithal to approach, have that approach and be ready for it and be able to pivot and adjust, which is another yeah. constant, which is, you know, we're very lean people. We don't have major, we don't have giant factories and, 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 and warehouses and all this stuff that would have to be torn down and rebuilt and all that. All we have is information, digits, ones and zeros. And, uh, you know, if we were efficient with our time and we were really uh, forward-thinking, a lot of these changes that seem really abrupt to a lot of people, you'd see it coming. And you would have had more time uh, to to adjust and to go, okay, well, I'm going to need to be here. I see everything's going in this direction. I'm going to be needing to be here for my audience, my crowd, my new crowd, uh, mixed with my old crowd, and I will be fine. I might even be better than I am now. In fact, I think if I do this, this, and this, I might just be – and the only people who can do that are people who are already looking for the next thing, the next thing that's going to change, not – the next opportunity to jump on. I'm not talking about shiny things. I don't think Don ah. can either. But. Well, and that's, yeah. that's, it's funny you bring that up because that is, because our attention spans collectively are so short and because people lack certain, and I'm going to catch some, catch some flack for this, people in general lack certain personality traits because of their mindset. They end up on that shiny penny train. Right. So right mm-hmm. now, e-commerce is the new thing. Well, e-commerce has been around for a long time, but now all the information courses on how to do information uh, marketing or physical products, uh, and those are great. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand there are fundamentals that you have to have before that. Right. Amazon. I'm going to sell on Amazon. Well, everybody's selling on Amazon now, and if you did it in 2013 and 2014, you could make a lot of money. Now, the big players are selling on Amazon, and they've got a budget. What do you do? So it's one of those things where I think that if you don't have – you know, it's funny. You said, you know, see where things are going. 
I don't think you have to necessarily be a visionary, right? I think that you just have to be willing to become less attached to your effort. Does yeah. that make sense? Because yeah, I, absolutely. Know, that, you that, can, that's you the can, big point I wanted to get to for sure. Uh, you, you have to be able to, willing to read. If you can read the writing, that is on the wall with another cliche. Let's see how many cliches we can cram into this show. Uh, <laughs> You, you're, you're, foot, you're fine. You're fine with just that. You know, it's not. It, yeah, you don't want. I'm not saying that people who are successful are Nostradamus-like. Really, it's, it's not that. Because I see some people who brag on their Facebook pages about how they didn't even finish high school. Well, then I know that you don't have a lot of the skills that I got by finishing college. You know, I, I actually went through a lot of stuff, and it was very good for me to do that. So, brag all you want. And go ahead, because you just also announced that you have a multi-million dollar launch that you just had. So good for you and Bravo, but all I want everybody else to know is that that guy said he didn't graduate from high school. How much do you think he's got on you in the intelligence game? It's not an intelligence game. It's not an, an, a Nostradamus game. Obviously it's that... not, because there's so many people who self-admit that you know that, that's not a game they ever played in life. You know, collecting information and, and building up their mental chops. Right. And, and, and they're out there the making audience. millions. Well, and that's just it. That's another another rabbit hole there, Jack. There's so many people that I know personally that are posting pictures. Hey, here's my Ferrari. Here's my, you know, yacht. Here's my, and, you know, I made a million. No, they didn't. They're lying their asses off. Just flat out mm-hmm. lying. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I didn't go to college. And I didn't graduate high school. I made $3 million. The the audience that they are appealing to is the audience of well look he's not any smarter than I am or I may be smart I I went to college and he didn't and he he could do it I can do it and they can't wait to hand yeah. over their money um, that drives me nuts um, because yeah. the reality is as I said there's certain characters characterization uh, characterizations in your personality like my new favorite words this month are uh, grit determination, perseverance, those things, and, and will, those those things right there allow you to do anything. And for a long time, uh, my personal opinion was that those were hard things. I mean, a lot of people here, oh, I have a lot of perseverance. I have grit and willpower. Mm-hmm. Those are hard. Those are, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to buy this shiny penny thing. Um, it doesn't work that way necessarily. Um, it, it's more of a, an internal mindset if you want something and you do the steps, it's not difficult. You just have to do what you're supposed to do and not be distracted. And that's where, if you're back to our conversation earlier, that's where social media gets in the way because it's distracting. Yeah, yeah we, did, we, we were able to output an awful lot more stuff just in sheer metric tons of stuff back in the day when we only had like the Warrior Forum and... <laughs> AOL and uh, bulletin boards, which nobody mm-hmm. probably even knows what I'm talking about anymore. There's only hey, a few I people left to do. I was excited when I got my 2400-bit modem. Oh, yeah. I remember my 1200-bot, and I was like, man, I am screaming. <laughs> I could go That's make right. dinner, have dinner, go see a movie, and I'd still be my page would still be loading when I got home. And I'd be thinking I was on the Internet. I'm flying, mm-hmm. dude. I was the first person the in St. Louis in, in 1996. I was the first person in all of St. Louis to have DSL, and I thought I was the boss. 
<laughs> it takes the rest of the world having that access for the Internet to even be interesting. So when you have the fastest connection, you're the loneliest person in the world because you can't interact with anybody else. They're all waiting for That's their right. pages to load, and you're bored out of your mind already. <laughs> That's exactly. when we started going, okay, speed's not everything. Speed is obviously not everything. We need everybody else to be here for there to be a party. Otherwise, I'm just eating these chips by myself. There's a uh, there's an old Italian expression, less is more. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I understood that. I think that with digital products or how-to products or any of that, you know, people really, content creators, and it all comes from Jay Abraham. They just want to bury you in stuff so you think that you've got this really mm-hmm. great value. But then you go back and you hear the stories about Gary Halbert selling a four-page pamphlet for five grand, and you're yeah. like, okay, <laughs> you know, my, my, I'm backwards here. Um, there's, there's a lot more. <laughs> Did he sell it because of his reputation? Because the content was just worth five grand. Yeah. Yeah, there's got to be some happy medium in there. There would be really be. There's probably a lot of Zen type sites for marketers out there of just doing things on the on the very very, you know, having the biggest outcome, whatever your outcome is, with the least amount of effort and without. And this qualification is really important in our industry, without cheating people, <laughs> or lying right. to them, or you know, because a lot of people just take that to mean well. I don't know nothing about that leverage you're talking about. I, I can go lie my ass off. I can totally tell mm-hmm. people there's something in here that's not. That's how I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to, you know, put up a picture of somebody's feet, you know, pointing out to an ocean on the beach and tell everybody that's me. But but there's got to be some way that people are going to be interested again in a qualitative experience in their life where their life and their work go together a lot more. They don't consider what they're doing to be something that you know is drudgery or whatever, and then I go and take the money that I made and have fun with it with whatever time I allow myself after that, there's just got to be something coming. And I sense it. I can taste it on the wind. It's weird. I'm not Nostradamusing, you guys. I'm just saying it just seems like we've been on this pendulum swing for quite a while, and, I, and I've always made the most money and gotten the most attention and done the most biggest things when pendulums start to swing back the other way. You know, every business that I've had that was a really great big success um, when they launched was on the tail end of something and the beginning of something else. And, you know, there's there's just something coming. I think people are really, really hungry for a well-balanced meal with some asparagus on that plate instead of empty Snickers bars and everything else. I, I really sense it. I don't know what that means for everybody. I don't, I don't freak out not knowing what it means. Because the answers will appear, I feel, and I've seen it. I've watched it. I know you have too. It's like I don't know where this is going, but being aware that it's going somewhere is the first step. And then answers will start to appear because you're looking for them. If you're not, they won't appear. That's real metaphysical and everything. but There's a lot of talk right now in the industry. It used to be do this and you'll make money. And now – it seems like everybody's jumped on the bandwagon, and I don't. I don't disagree with this, but it's it's important to point out that it is now a sales point that the service your customers, and and you know that's when you're going to reap the rewards. You have to serve first, and then reap the rewards. And I don't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
most of the guys that I know uh, in the marketing space that are just absolutely crushing it, you'll never see them post on social media. Most people don't know who they are. They're just quietly in the background raking in millions, making their cash, providing a service or a product or both. And Mm -hmm. they don't need that public adulation, right? And I think the whole content thing is the problem a lot of people run into is that there's too much content now. I'm sorry, but there is. Uh, Google uploads, I'm sorry, YouTube uploads 75 years of video content like every two hours or something crazy. That's not a direct quote. I don't know exactly, but I know it's just something ridiculous. Um, yeah. When you when you look at how much content there is, it's almost, there's no way you can consume it and learn it. And the problem that I see with a lot of people that, use, that I talk to that are e-commerce people, you know, that use our system or are, are trying to figure out how to market to their customers is that the common refrain is it's overwhelming. I'm always behind. I, there's always something new to learn. And a lot of the experts say, you know what, you don't need to learn it, just hire it out. Well, that's great if you have the money and your mm-hmm. business is profitable to hire it out. But there is a point in your business where you have to wear all the hats. And it's one thing if you're a 22-year-old who has no family, it's easy to live on a shoestring while you build your business. But if you have a family or you have a full-time job and you're trying to transition, there's not those extra dollars to hire those content writers or those e-commerce you know, whiz kids or the web developers or whatever. And so I'm looking for you know, the ability for someone to say, okay, what do I need? Not what you want to sell me, but what do I need to go from A to Z? And that's a lot of what we do. I don't mean this as a, as, a, as a promotional plug, but I've done this for a long time. And so, you know, when someone says, okay, then we're going to use your shopping cart, what do I do now? You know, we've got the cart, we've got the website, what happens next? Well, I'm not selling you anything. Yeah. I'm a shopping cart provider. So I can say, do these things. And they're like, well, so-and-so said, do this. And I said, okay, spend six months doing that. But you're going to be six months behind because time doesn't stop just because you've decided to go off on one tangent. Things continue yeah. to happen. Nor does your billing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's just it's one of those things, Jack, where I, I would love to see a little – I'd love to see the industry you know, as a whole calm down. Um, there's way too many people that have had a little success. Maybe they – maybe remember the T-shirt craze? I'm going to sell T-shirts. Um, oh, gosh, know, they yeah. manage, I'm they, getting ready to sold, get into that. Is it too late? <laughs> no, no, go, go for it, man. You'll crush it. You know, they sold, I, I sold 40 – I bought a course – um, and I, uh, and it told me to use Fiverr and I did that. So I've got a hundred bucks into it and I sold 40 shirts. Well, I'm going to put an information course on how to sell t-shirts online. I sold 40 shirts. I'm a rock yeah. star. Well, there's so much blind leading the blind that it's no wonder people get stuck. And it's hard for people to say, you know what? This is, it's not that easy. You know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, it's easier to make money online now because of technology than it was 10 years ago. Oh, well, God. It's 10 I was, times harder I was online now than it 10 was years then. ago. It's 10 times harder, just like you said. 
I mean, I could, I mean, I could, 10 years ago, I could, you know, wake up, have coffee, send an email. I had money in my bank account. Now, yep. there's so many more people competing for my, for my customers' attention or my, you know, my followers' attention or my whatever that maybe they, they, they want my stuff, but they just bought something else so they don't have the money or, you know, there's a hundred different reasons. It's so oh, much yeah. harder now. Yep. They're worn out. They got dark circles under their eyes. They've been through the mill. They bought that guy's stupid T-shirt program, and they bought a hundred others. And they right. And by the time they get to us, a lot of our clients now are just worn out. They need a vacation. They don't need to sit through another webinar. They need to decompress. Mm-hmm. And that is the rough. That's the rough truth of our industry now. You know, you can't bury people anymore. That's true. You totally went through the timeline perfectly there, by the way. And it's ex- and, it, and you guys uh, rewind this if you're listening to a tape. Um, listen to this again because that was really a breakdown of exactly how everything's gone. We we could we didn't have as much to do in the early days because there wasn't that much going on. So we could really sit down and read uh, a J. Abraham uh, novel on the simplicity of <laughs> of, of something. You know, and if it's so simple, why the hell am I reading 365 pages? But I don't care. I bought it. I'm going to do this or not. Maybe I'm going to go look at this bar for a while. But so we had a lot of time. Courses were really fat. Now we don't have a lot of time. Now we're not even saying, here's a short course that will give you everything you need. We're saying, just let us do it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll just pay, you know, here's how much it costs. And we had to run out and find out how we could get a whole bunch of work done for as cheaply as possible. In comes the rise of, you know, giant amounts of money flowing into India and the Philippines to get, um, you know, people to do the work because Americans just won't do that kind of work for anything that people will pay for. So if I could, you know, if I could interrupt. Were, all the Americans that are being approached are the ones who thought they were going to sell a bunch of T-shirts, and now they have this idea that they've got to make a certain amount of money. So they're not very good outsourcers. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, and if I can if I can interrupt, Jack, you you said something that was very very cogent there, and that is, it's um, not about just reading something, right? And 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 doing it. If you want to make, you know, somebody comes to me today and they say, you know, Don, we sell widgets. I'm like, great, that's a you'll, you'll, you're going to do well on those if you do these things. But if you really want to make money, you need to sell a service not a product Um, because exactly what you said. I don't have time to do X anymore. More importantly, I don't have time or I don't think I have time to learn how to do X in a way that is high enough level that's going to make me money. So I need to just hire someone to do that. So what we've seen is software as a service, which is which is what we are. We're software as a service. Or it could mm-hmm. be a, a virtual assistant type service, a writer, whatever. If you're selling services, you will do so much better, provided you can deliver so much better than if you sell a product. And it's exactly because of what you just said. It's not that people are lazy. It's because people are overwhelmed and they can't do it anymore. They can't do it all anymore. Yeah. Your comment about India. Where did the narrative so, come from, anyway? Where, where did this all happen? I mean, why did we all settle a, 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 on this narrative of how I'm going to make money is on the Internet, and on the Internet, how I'm specifically going to make that money is playing as small as I possibly can. 
I mean, just go for the most bare minimum, low level, hey, I know you're stupid, so I'm going to hand you this three-step process. Oh, great, give me more of that. Wait, you think I'm stupid? But that's what everybody's been doing for the last 10 or 12 years. It's like, wait, there's leverage out there. You could be operating on a multi, multi-million dollar level. You really could, and I'm not blowing smoke, and I don't have a product to sell you. I'm just saying there are other opportunities, and those other opportunities have been snatched up by the guys who are on the cover of the magazines you read now. They right. didn't believe in this. So, I'm going to go sell a, a thing on Etsy. I'm not going to mess with that stupid small-time stuff. There are bigger things to be had. And the reason is... Yeah, this is me. Sorry. I've been trying to cut in, but I realized I was muted. So, oh, well, that's hard know, to cut in, even if is. you're not I muted. Like, oh, <laughs> Jack is not letting me talk. And then I realized, oh, no, I muted. it. Okay. So, Dob, this has been great. And I wanted to say something, because we were talking about, you know, how things have changed. And this is really very much mirroring a small-town business, okay, environment, where, you you know, it, it's very much service-oriented. There is some teaching element, and there is a lot of done for you. And, you know, most people, because that's how we shop, kind of get that ideology and how you would relate to someone if you were selling a service, a service in person. You know, right. people want to, yeah. be, want to be talked to. They want to be educated. They want to connect with you so they trust you. And we're finding all of those elements becoming more and more and more important online because now the bottom line is people have a choice on how they want to spend their money, be interacted with, and, you know, what they want to engage with. But the thing, the third and part when. besides... Yeah, exactly, and when, and how, and all of that. They have a choice. Um, that's the big difference um, online. Uh, but, you know, it's the same thing that you would deal with in a in a real-life situation. You wouldn't have a conversation you didn't want to have. You'd walk away. Um, right. For each well, subject. And it's really, well, uh, you know, the one thing I, I was thinking is it's it's not just service, and product, there's something in between, and that's done with you. Yeah, you know, we that's have a big new one. I just read that today, yeah. done with you. I'm like, oh, well, God, where's this going? Well, right. where this is going is there's some things you have to do, and Don was pointing that out. You can't outsource yep. your entire business if you don't even know what it is. You can't outsource <laughs> content, uh, or you can't even outsource, you know, your shopping cart stuff if you don't know what's supposed to be in there. Well, you get, you make a great point, and I'm going to go back to, to the question yeah. that Jeff, Jack said. Where did this come from, right? Where did this mentality come from? And I think it, it came from three points predominantly. The first, and don't laugh at me, but I'm serious, is Tim Ferriss' four-hour work week, 2007, 2008. Ooh, yeah. I'm not right. laughing. I totally get you there. Um, that basically said, look at these people, they they have this lifestyle, they're making ten to twenty grand a month and they're they're working four hours a week. And because they outsource and that's the secret. What Tim didn't go through was what it took those individuals to do themselves before they got to the point that they could outsource that stuff. Number two and this is this is controversial what I'm gonna say, I think, but we got to this point because content creators we got to a point where we had some real thought leaders in the industry, 
And about 10 years ago, we sort of reached a, a pinnacle where everybody said, hey, you know what, I can do that too. And we had people that weren't necessarily the brightest. They were just rehashing information. And because they didn't have their own information to sell, they ran out of ideas. They ran out of expertise. So how do I keep making money? I'll just sell a service because I can't come up with new ideas, but this still needs to be done so I can still make money that way. The third part is that because of social media, this ties in what we were talking about before, the third part of social media is people aren't doing their own research. They pop into Internet Marketing Super Friends and say, hey, I need X, who does that? And then, you know, 100 people will give their suggestions. And that's great because, you know, it's great to have opinions from a lot of people. But the people with the most influence in that group are the ones that are going to get listened to. And it doesn't necessarily mean that's the best solution for you. It just means that that's a solution that they've used um, or they own, maybe, or own a part of. Mm -hmm. Or they're making money off of. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. I think that you're absolutely right when you when you say that the whole done for you, there is that subset because people are, this ties into what Jack said, people are starting to put the brakes on and go, wait a minute, I'm just, I've, I've chased that rabbit hole and those shiny penny and I bought a hundred different products and I'm still nowhere. I actually need to know how to do this stuff. So the done with you concept allows me to get it done, but it allows me to learn how to do it myself. That's appealing. But at the same time, I think that is probably will be a higher level, right, of of uh, product. Uh, I think because it's a higher level, people will not jump on it as quickly because they're going to realize, well, now I'm involved in seven different done with you products, and I'm, I'm back where I was. And mm-hmm. you know, funny story, real quick, just as a side. You, know, you talked about hold on, all this we money. can't do funny stories because we're kind of out of time. Oh well, no! We have to have our funny story. One one thing. Okay, story, it's up a, to you, Jack. An anecdote. Jack said that uh, you know all this money's flowed we'll into back. the Philippines. All this money has flowed into the Philippines and India. So, big difference for for the listeners. You need to know the difference between hiring Filipinos and hiring uh, Indians. This is not a racist thing. This is a cultural thing. Um, we had hired a, a more than one occasion. I've hired. Indian programmers to do software programming for me. And sometimes I, I'm a person of high expectations. Now, if you screw it up, I'm going to let you know you screwed it up, and I'm going to expect it to be done right. Typically what happens is if you lose your temper or you become very demanding, and not saying like being a jerk, but like, look, I paid you, you need to do it right kind of demanding. Very often my experience has been that Indian programmers, it's a loss of, of, of um they don't like it, then they'll fight back, but they'll do it. But you're going to pay for it. You know, Indian yeah. programmers are wanting 30 grand a year. Yeah. However, you cannot take that attitude with a Filipino uh, outsourcer. If you uh, are displeased with the Filipino's outsourcer's work or programmer's work and you express displeasure, they will disappear. You won't hear They're from gone. them. They're <laughs> gone because it's a loss of face for them uh, culturally. Yeah. Uh, and they just disappear. So, you know, you're going to get Filipino workers that are less expensive, in my opinion. Very often they're of a higher quality, uh, programmers and things, than, than the Indians, but the Indians won't leave you. 
they, they'll they'll give you you know they'll give you what you paid for. You just sometimes have to make it very clear. And with outsourcing in any situation, don't tell them what you want. Spec it out. Write it as simple as you can and step by step by step. And if you don't know how to do that, hire someone to write that spec for you. It is the only way you'll get what you want the first time. Don, you've over-delivered, man. And we're going to have to have you on again because I sense that we have a lot more to talk about. I hope people find this uh, stuff interesting because it's it should be. It's not what you typically hear on any kind of podcast these days at all. It's hard to find. And uh, and finally, since we are way out of time, thanks, Don, so much for being on today. And uh, give out your URL one more time so everybody can come and check you out and get in your sphere of influence. What is it? We are at one, the number one, automationwiz.com or infomarketingcart.com. Thank you so much for being on today, and we're definitely going to have you back. I had a great time. Excellent. I had a great time. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you, Don. Bye, everybody. See you all next week. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters, from traffic to conversion to business success.